Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by New Jersey Sharing Network, Atlantic Health System, Building Healthier Communities, TD Bank, New Jersey Board of Public Utilities, Clean Energy Program, Seton Hall University, Come See What Great Minds Can Do, Operating Engineers, Local 825, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, moving the region through air, land, rail, and sea. Gibbons, PC. And by Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. We build tomorrow's workers. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ. And by ROINJ, informing and connecting businesses in New Jersey. Welcome to Think Tank. I'm Steve Adubato. As always, I'm joined by my colleague, the senior producer of Think, Think Tank. I'll get that out, Nicole Swinerton. Nicole, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Great to be with you. Let's uh, line up this uh, show. We've got United States Congressman Josh Gothheimer talking about what's going on, not just in Washington and how they're dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, but also he's talking about nursing homes. And also Jose Lozano at Choose New Jersey talking about business in the state. And how about Judy Smith? from the uh, New Jersey Nurses Association, the role of nurses, talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. We have a great show coming up. And um, one of the biggest takeaways that I would say, talking about businesses in the state, hearing from Jose Lozano from Choose New Jersey, is really going to be telling how well we can bring our businesses back after this crisis. And I think that with organizations like Choose New Jersey doing that work, I'm confident that, you know, we can bring those businesses back, but it's going to take a lot of work. And then I would also say from uh, Judy Schmidt with the NJ State Nurses Association, sure. the nurses, I mean, they are the heroes right now with all of the healthcare frontline workers, but hearing how we can support our nurses and how, and about the support that they need from us, um, it, it's really important right now. And I think that just remembering that these nurses and all the healthcare workers, um, they are gonna need a lot of help in the future, whether it's mental health care, just us caring about the trauma that they're seeing is super important. You know, it's, everyone's talking about our nurses, our physicians, our frontline healthcare workers as heroes. Well, in this program with Judy and, and actually with uh, Josh Gothheimer as well, Congressman Gothheimer, we talk about what they really need. And the other thing is I wanna make it clear, uh, Nicole, tell everyone who our major underwriters are, our supporters of this program. Sure, so Atlantic Health, TD Bank, Seton Hall University, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, have all been supporting. Also want to thank the folks of the New Jersey Sharing Network, the Board of Public Utilities, the Clean Energy Program, Port Authority, Gibbons, uh, a great law firm. So this program, United States Congressman, telling us what's going on in Washington, what's real, what's rhetoric, and also what we need to do to understand as citizens what we need to be doing moving forward as it relates to COVID-19. Also, Jose Lozano on attracting businesses to the state, how the business environment is changing dramatically in this uh, post. I know I love to say post-COVID world, but we're in it now. Hopefully, it'll be a post-COVID world soon enough. And most importantly, the nurses, uh, Judy Schmidt talking about our nurses. So I'm Steve Adubato. That is Nicole Swinerton. And without further ado, 
think tank. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. Welcome to a very important discussion we're having with a whole range of people dealing with COVID-19. The longer term, the challenges ahead. And one person who's been thinking about that day and night, and we're glad and honored to be joined by United States Congressman Josh Gothheimer. Uh, Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Steve. Let's make it clear, we're taping on the 13th of May. This will be seen later. Huge vote or votes coming up in the next few days. They could go either way. What's at stake and why does it matter to everyone, particularly long-term? Well, I think the big issue for New Jersey, and obviously that's who I'm focused and fighting for, is getting more resources back to our states, to our localities, right, to our towns, our counties, which will be essential to help with our, ensure that we have cops and firefighters and teachers that we're able to pay our bills, you know, very worried about uh, the state of economic affairs. You know, we've had a health crisis that's still ongoing, and we also have an economic crisis, so we're, we're really focused on both. This legislation also will fully reinstate the state and local tax deduction, so that's tax cuts for people, which I think are central dollars into uh, the pockets of our residents. And then on the health side, which was first and foremost, of course, it's more uh, resources for protective gear for our frontline healthcare workers and, and uh, uh, all of our first responders. It's making sure that our hospitals and our long-term care facilities have what they need. And that's, they've obviously been hit very hard. So it's, it's, it, it has many elements to it, many that are essential for New Jersey. You know, Congressman, one would think that in a global pandemic like this, that we would all come together, be together, and I'm not talking about singing Kumbaya together, but at least understand that we're all in this together. But here's what I've been thinking about, and I'm not the only one. To what degree do you feel your colleagues in the House and in the Senate who come from different states, other states that are not affected, hurt to the degree New York and New Jersey and other states around us are, to what degree do you think they genuinely are concerned and worried and willing to actually do what they need to do to help those in, dare I say, bluer states, more democratic states, or does this have nothing to do with politics and I'm all wrong? Well, I'd say one thing, um, uh, and I, I co-chair a bipartisan group of half Democrats, half Republicans called the Problem Solvers Caucus. We've been getting together on Zooms uh, three to four days a week. Uh, what's been consistent from the beginning of this, including the first package we passed in March, is how bipartisan this has been, how the country has come together, putting country ahead of partisan politics. And frankly, it's how we passed all these packages to date to help our small businesses, to help our people, help our frontline healthcare workers and, and our first responders, our heroes, and, and make sure we get direct support to individuals who are suffering right now, so many people out of work. Um, so that's come, you know, I, I've just, it's been a remarkable thing to see everyone come together. Now what you're seeing in the last week, which is a little disappointing, and I hope we get past it, is less of a partisan divide, but more of a regional divide. Geographical. And, you know, it's a geographic divide, right? Some states saying, because you've got Democrats and Republicans in states like ours and in New York and others that have really come together. Louisiana, working very closely with Senator Cassie in Louisiana. You know, pe people coming together who've been hit hardest, who've been in the eye of the storm, of the COVID storm like we've been, you know, from day one here. Uh, and they've come together. But you're seeing some who say, who who always expect us to be there for them when there is a natural disaster, as we should. We come together as a country. Some of them have said, well, I don't really want to support New York and New Jersey, despite the fact that they've got half the caseload. And that, to me, is not exactly in the spirit you'd hope for. Congressman, how would you describe President Trump's leadership from day one and to where we are now 
mid-May and what needs to be done moving forward? How would you describe it? Well, you know, from a Jersey perspective, uh, and if you look to the governor on this too, we've, we've all really been trying to work together closely with the administration to help out Jersey. So right, I, what I'm focused on as ever, Steve, is how do we get resources back here? How do we get testing kits here? How do we get protective gear, face masks uh, and ventilators and other things that are essential for our hospitals? We've worked closely with the administration to make that happen, to get out of the resources out of the stockpile. Um, and, and, and that's been you know, helpful when we were able to get it. The challenge is now um, is, 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 is making sure that we actually have a national strategy for testing because we still don't have the tests we need and that's essential to reopening safely. You know, we, we still uh, you know, are, are kind of on our own on some of the protective gear issues. And what I don't want to see is one state competing against another state for a ventilator, for protective gear, for tests. You know, we got to come together and have a central plan to help get that, to get those materials out and to think about our supply chain so we're ready if this hits again. And, you know, that does take, we're, we're going to have to have a coordinated strategy on that. You know, everything from standards for sanitizing buildings and what we're going to expect from people, you know, we need that kind of guidance. Now, I'll say this, each mm. state, as we said before, in each sector have different issues, right? So there are regional and sector differences here. And so why that matters um, is that we're going to gonna have different approaches as we are in New Jersey versus Montana. Um, I would urge, and I, I've, I've said this to all my colleagues, that, and this is your point, that we come together and make sure we understand if one part of the country fails, if the Northeast economy fails, uh, it affects the entire country. And, and that's what I'd say. Let me follow up. By the way, for any technical issues, I apologize, but anyone who's been watching uh, broadcast or any media format, you know that this is a challenging situation for all of us. Um, but here's the thing I'm curious about, Congressman. Um, the long-term care facilities, you've been all over this. You have been challenging some of the long-term care facilities because a very high percentage of those who have gotten very sick and lost their lives are in those facilities. What is the problem? How could it ever have gotten this bad? And what do we need to do more to move forward? I'm sorry for asking three questions in one. Go ahead, Congressman. Well, I mean, I'm really glad you're bringing this up because it's heartbreaking. I mean, I can't tell you how many family members I've spoken to whose loved ones are in facilities um, where they're not getting information or they didn't get information about how uh, sick their family members were or who they, you know, what they were exposed to in terms of COVID um, and how many facilities we know that just didn't respond fast enough with protective gear um, with, for, their, for all of their uh, nurses and caregivers. And so therefore it spread fast in the facilities. They weren't separating out sick versus uh, who the, uh, those exposed versus who those who weren't exposed, uh, who weren't communicating well. Um, and, and you know it, that to me is unacceptable, those who didn't move fast enough to take care of their patients and loved ones. That, that's just not acceptable. Others have done a good job. Um, so I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush, but we've seen cases in Andover, New Jersey, in Northern New Jersey, where I represent, where they spread like wildfire. And I believe they didn't react well. And CMS, which the federal investigators came in and confirmed just how bad it was and how they weren't taking care of staff or taking care of residents and exposing them. We found, I got a call on a Saturday night for body bags because so many had piled up. And it's just, you can't, it makes you sick when you think about that they were behind the, you know, just behind the game. And um, we're going to need much tougher 
standards in place, much stronger state oversight. These are state-run, state-overseen facilities. You know, I've got a veteran's home in Paramus, which I'm sure you've read about. Yep. You know, it, it, is, it is heartbreaking. These are our veterans. 74 people have died out of about 300 residents who were there. Uh, more than 90% of those who've either had COVID or have COVID now, you know, they, I believe they, when we'll, we'll learn more when we look backward here, but they didn't act fast enough. The good news is we got the guard in there. I worked with the governor. We got the national guard in there. We got the VA in there to get more support. Uh, we got all of our local doc- doctors from our best hospitals in the area here that have been in the eye of the storm. They went on site uh, about 10 days ago to give us a read on what's going on and make recommendations. Thank you, Congressman. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Okay. Thanks so much, Steve. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. What can great minds do? While at Seton Hall, I interned with the Superior Court of New Jersey, and that inspired me to go to law school. I am a physics and civil engineering major, and I want to work on infrastructure in underdeveloped countries. I'm the news director at one of the top college radio stations in the country. I'm working with my professor on research that could help athletes during sudden cardiac events. I started my own business, Classic Soccer Cleats, and I just sold it to a company in England. Come see for yourself what great minds can do. Hi, Steve Adubato here. It is uh, my pleasure to introduce once again, Jose Lozano, President and CEO Choose New Jersey. Jose, usually you're in the studio with us at NJTV, but like everyone else, we're communicating remotely. How are you doing? I'm doing great, doing great. Families, great. Friends are great and hope you're doing well as well. Same here. Same here. Jose, let's jump right into this. Um, as we do this program in the middle of May, it'll be seen after that. You are part of an advisory council the governor has appointed, um, along with Tim Sullivan, who's the head of EDA and also the head of, um, of higher education in our state. That is uh, Zakia Smith-Ellis. I'm sorry, I apologize. I should have had that right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Jose, <laughs> what is the role of that organization, that entity? Sure, sure. So we have brought together over 300 industry leaders, both in running organizations, trade organizations, and actual companies with the intent of them giving us the advice and counsel that as the administration starts to reopen the economy in places, we wanted to make sure that the parameters that are set forth are consistent and are supported in all of the efforts that are being made. And so we wanted to bring some of the uh, boots on the ground experts and give some tactical advice through this process. You know, we're doing this, obviously, this particularly uh, interviews on Zoom, but whatever technology you're using, innovation technology, a huge part of this. Yeah. Uh, Choose New Jersey is working with us, uh, along with NJIT um, and the EDA as well on this innovation initiative. Why is it relevant? What is the connection in your view between technology and innovation and COVID-19, the reality of it now and moving forward? So the, the, the biggest reality is, is that more now than ever before, technology is vital for so many of our companies to stay afloat and to actually grow and be able to communicate. And New Jersey, you know, what folks don't realize is so powerfully connected. It is by far, it's considered the most connected state in the country. The broadband uh, access that is not only uh, Newark itself is actually rated as the number one city and the most connected city, and New Jersey as a whole it is. And so having the ability to have the technology to actually fulfill your mission and your work is really vitally important. And actually, New Jersey is a perfectly located location to actually have that. Mm. Um, why don't we do this? It's interesting. If we think about technology and we think about higher education, I mentioned NJIT. Yeah. 
What is the role, particularly as it relates to the Choose New Jersey? Let's remind folks what the role of Choose New Jersey is, and then we'll come back to the higher ed piece. Sure. Choose New Jersey is a not-for-profit organization that focuses on business attraction and marketing of the state of New Jersey. Higher ed. You have higher ed members. Absolutely. Um, NJIT happens to be one of them. Folks, we work with as well. Why, why are higher ed institutions so important to the economy of the state moving forward? They are their direct pipeline for our workforce and actually not only educating, but actually providing the necessary skill set necessarily to actually uh, to, to, to prepare the future workforce that we're actually going to need, not only in the region, in the state, in the country, but in the world. And so we've always had higher ed at the table when we're doing business attraction. There's nothing better than having a company look at New Jersey and know that the higher ed community is equally as committed to economic development mm. and allowing and supporting. And, and so having that matchmaking program. And so when a company comes in and saying, where am I going to get the workforce of tomorrow and the workforce of today? And knowing that the higher ed community is an, actually a spectacular partner and is there at the seat is, 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 is unparalleled. Absolutely. Jose, you know what's interesting to me? The role of Choose New Jersey, you've been all around the world, right. around the country, trying to attract business to the state. How much more difficult is it to do that with New Jersey, in all candor, New Jersey and New York, as we do this program, moving forward, one of the most hardest hit, the second hardest hit state in the nation. Is it harder to attract business? I'm not sure I can say that it's, it, it makes it a little bit more challenging. I mean, uh, having companies being able to come visit us in the immediacy right now has obviously become quite challenging. But luckily, we have been communicating with not only the Zoom and the, uh, and the online capabilities, but we've been actually communicating some of the information and some of the assets that we have. Yes, it's been difficult. But I can, I, I'm happy to report that in, the, in Q2, as this uh, pandemic was kicking into gear, we've still been able to lock in seven new companies that are going to call New Jersey home, and of which five are going to be international. And so mm. as companies are still looking to expand and relocate, the COVID has kind of slowed things down, but I'm not sure that it will stop it at all. Let me follow up on that. On the question of different sectors, Sure. Because we, you and I have I had this conversation before when we were talking about this innovation series that we've been doing, which frankly is only more important now in the age of COVID-19 right. than ever before. There are different sectors, right? Is it fair to say that the hotel, the hospitality sector, the restaurant sector, harder hit than other sectors? Or do I have that wrong? No, no, you're right. The, the hospitality and the social side, what we consider, you know, when you when you talk about economic development, you look at it in the live, work, and play. I, I, if you look at the play section of the hospitality and the entertainment side, it's been unfortunately hit the hardest at this point. But I feel confident that when we start to gradually reopen back up and the world starts to go back to the old normal, I strongly feel that those industries will come back stronger than they ever were before. You know, the other thing that we've talked about in the past, Jose, is that... Um, New Jersey is really, there's one New Jersey, but they're different parts of the state, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you're based in Newark, um, our studio at NJTV, where we tape normally, right in the heart of Newark, right where, where you folks are, the EDA, Economic Development Authority, right there in the same uh, office area where you are. My point is Newark is Newark, urban areas, Jersey City, Newark, Camden, et cetera. And then there are rural, other kinds of areas that are very different, not as urban, not as populated. That's right. Does that mean that the effort to attract businesses is a different strategy based on where you are in New Jersey? 
I don't know if that it's a different strategy, but I think it gives companies and organizations uh, more options. And so, you know, when we're competing against some of the more populated areas around the country, we can say in New Jersey, we if you are looking for that urban approach, mm-hmm. uh, that urban community with mass transit capability, we have that. If you're looking for more of a suburban to allow your, your employees to live a little closer to home or be able to drive or you want to spread out more, we have those options. And if you want to have a little blend of, of downtown, suburban, but with easy access to urban in some of the me- major metropolitan areas like New York and Philadelphia, we have that. And so what I do love about selling New Jersey is whatever you are looking for, we absolutely have. And when I talk about the demographics, I remind companies that New Jersey is so diverse that it's really almost the melting pot. It's a reflection of what the country looks like. Real quick, I got a little bit of time left. Jose, give everyone the website of Choose New Jersey so they can go there sure, and sure. find out more. Sure, it's uh, choosenewjersey.com and it's full of a lot of fun stats and you can actually see uh, who's actually calling the New Jersey home these days. Yeah, before I let you go, how about this one? Whatever the quote unquote new normal is, yeah right, as it keeps evolving. Describe what you believe the, the new whatever uh, as we move forward and, and we pray and hope uh, about a vaccine. Will the New Jersey economy, in your view, actually look significantly different? I think it will look a little different. But like I said before, I think when, when, this is, when the COVID-19 is behind us in the rearview mirror, I think New Jersey will be stronger than it was before. Um, you know, having Rutgers be responsible for saliva tests uh, has had that New Jersey has had a really a strong positive impact mm-hmm. on the COVID response. And, and I still feel strong that given the strong life sciences and the pharmaceutical presence that we have in New Jersey, at some point or another, New Jersey will have a heavy hand in, in, the, in, the, in the actual vaccinations or any of the cure stuff. And so I strongly believe that folks will see New Jersey as a leader in getting us through this COVID crisis. That is uh, Jose Lozano, the uh, president and CEO of Choose New Jersey. Jose, um, thank you, as always, for joining us. The next time, I hope and pray that it's in our studios over at NJ TV, right next to your office in Newark. Um, I hope so. Be well, Steve. Thank you. Best to you and your family. Thank you, Jose. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. Welcome back, folks. We're pleased to be joined by our, our longtime friend, our good friend, Judy Schmidt, who is the CEO of New Jersey State Nurses Association. Judy, how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you, Steve. Judy, we, we've talked about nursing, um, the profession of it, how incredible nurses have been for a long time before COVID-19. How great are they now? They're absolutely wonderful. As you know, we're superheroes now. We wear capes and cure the world. Yeah, but, but, but you knew that for a long time before that. What, what are they facing, A, as we do this program in mid-May, and what do they need moving forward? So things are a, a tad bit better for most nurses uh, in New Jersey. We still have a lot of issues with personal protective equipment, uh, support services, um, and also in other areas, not we focus a lot on acute care hospitals, but there's other areas where nurses work, such as in long-term care facilities, also at home health, in group homes, and we don't have the resources that are needed, especially in these other than acute care um, environments. You know, Judy, it's interesting. Um, we've been talking about nursing and nurses for a long time, but what it strikes me is that there's certain kind of people that go into nursing 
extraordinary people, empathetic, caring, clinically competent, strong leaders. What do you see as the future of nursing moving forward, given the fact that there have been so many media reports that accurately depict the incredibly painful, difficult life of nurses on the front line in the age of COVID-19? Do you think there'll be fewer people wanting to go into the profession? It's a very, very interesting question. I think the, the answer is it is unpredictable as the virus is unpredictable. As you know, we were going into a nursing shortage anyway. That's right. I had seen shortages in the critical care arena, even in our most sought-out positions in our labor and delivery suites. So there is a concern that um, we will not have as many young men and women going into nursing as we've seen in the past. But we also know that there may not be a lot of positions available. You know, in addition to being a healthcare crisis, this is a little bit of an economic crisis. And it really has hit our healthcare arena very strongly. And we've heard of areas where nurses have been furloughed, um, layoffs. So it's, it's very unpredictable what the balance will be. My gut is that we will have a shortage uh, that there will be enough positions for anyone who wants to enter into the field of nursing. But again, as unpredictable as the virus is, uh, where are these positions going to be and will there be enough people to fill them? You know, Judy, I'm curious about this because we've talked to so many healthcare leaders, hospital executives, others who say the world of healthcare is going to change dramatically. Does that mean that the job of nursing will change? Meaning, uh, I'll be more specific. If telehealth, telemedicine will be more prevalent and dominant than ever before, will it mean that nurses have to learn to communicate and interact uh, remotely in a way they never have before? I think, yes, they will. I think we've started to do that. Um, we know that there is telehealth. We know there are nurses that are, are doing telehealth now. We know that the nurses that in the past have done telehealth through phone calls with patients after discharge or nurses that work in insurance companies that check up on patients. So we do have a little bit of that telehealth in our background. But the most important part about nursing is the caring and the touch. Uh, right. We will still see that, of course you know, in our healthcare facilities, our, our hospitals, our long-term care, our uh, home care patients, et cetera. So yes, there will be an even balance of the telehealth and technology, but the most important part is we need to keep the touch and the caring aspects of the profession of nursing intact. In the limited time I have left, I'm gonna ask you this. With so many challenges around PPE, protective um, equipment, right? Uh, with so many challenges around the number of hours that nurses are working, what they're seeing in the age of COVID-19, serious, serious illness, and obviously death. How, how do you think most nurses keep their spirits, their morale up and positive? Well, I think there's a lot of ways. I think the collegiality amongst the nurses that work in those very high stressful areas, that is very helpful. I will tell you the New Jersey State Nurses Association has a group called the Healthy Nurse, Healthy New Jersey team, and they offer every week a moral resilience webinar, live webinar that any nurse in the state of New Jersey can join. So I think it's a matter of us all working together, talking mm -hmm. things out. Uh, if we do find that we're too stressed 
anxiety ridden, then that's the time that we need to seek help with our professionals. We're again fortunate enough that we have psychiatric nurse, nurses in advanced practice that right. are all there willing and ready to help any nurse who may need assistance in coping with this extremely stressful ordeal that they've been through. Uh, Judy Schmidt is the uh, CEO of New Jersey State Nurses Association. We've been uh, colleagues, friends. We've done nursing programming for many, many years together. It's never been more important than it is right now, not just to celebrate and recognize our superheroes, as Judy well said, but frankly, to just remember what they need to be the best they can be, to be effective and to make a difference in our lives, along with physicians and other clinicians on the front lines. Judy, thank you so much. We appreciate everything you and all of your colleagues do every day for us. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Steve. I'm Steve Adubato. We thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe. Be well. We'll see you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by New Jersey Sharing Network, Atlantic Health System, TD Bank, New Jersey Board of Public Utilities, Clean Energy Program, Seton Hall University, Operating Engineers, Local 825, The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, Gibbons PC, and by Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ and by ROINJ. Transportation provided by Airbrook Limousine, serving the metropolitan New York, New Jersey area. What can great minds do? While at Seton Hall, I interned with the Superior Court of New Jersey, and that inspired me to go to law school. I am a physics and civil engineering major, and I want to work on infrastructure in underdeveloped countries. I'm the news director at one of the top college radio stations in the country. I'm working with my professor on research that could help athletes during sudden cardiac events. I started my own business, Classic Soccer Cleats, and I just sold it to a company in England. Come see for yourself what great minds can do.